This morning, we are continuing our sermon series called Endured. And if you've come the last couple of weeks or tuned in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at and talking about all the things that Jesus endured for us, to forgive us, to save us, to set us free. And if you missed week one or two, you can always go back and listen to those. But today, we're going to look at a story that we just heard from the gospel of a man who was born blind. And we're going to consider what does Jesus want to teach us through that miracle. So as we begin, let's, let's ask him to be with us. Let's pray. Father, you have brought us here today because you want us to hear this amazing truth. We've come here today after a week. Some of us had great weeks and we have victories and triumphs abound. Others of us came in here limping because we've been beat up by temptation. We've given in to our sinful natures and we're hurting. But no matter how we've come in here today or tuned in online this morning, you promise healing. You promise redemption. You promise forgiveness so that you might set us free and give us peace and joy that lasts. So today, as we study your word, use it. Use it to strengthen our faith in you. Use it to comfort us in our struggles and our sins and our infirmities. And, and use it to grow us up in the knowledge and truth of what you've done so that we might live as your people and we might share you with others. Jesus, bless us now as we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm guessing that you know this philosophy, but maybe you know it by another name. Right? It's a philosophy, it's a theology, it's a way of thinking that says, if you do good, then good things will happen in your life. You ever heard that? Or maybe you've heard this one, right? What goes around... You've heard it, right? So, so it, whether that's good or bad, what goes around comes around. Or maybe, maybe this theology, this philosophy sounds like this. Man, she deserved it. After what she said, after what she did, she deserved that. Or he deserved that. He's worked really hard, and he deserved that promotion. He deserved that advancement in his career, because look at all that he has done. Whether you know it by its true name or not, you've all heard it. You, you all know it, and it's our American version of that word, karma. Right? Karma simply says, the way we use it in modern times, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. If you do things really awesome, awesome things will happen to you. If it's evil, then you'll be repaid with evil. Right? You've heard it. If you're anything like me, you, you've, you've bought into it at times. You've thought it. But here's the problem. When it comes to karma, I know that logically, rationally, it makes perfect sense to our human ears, but it is one of the most deadly poisons, one of the most deadly theologies on the planet. Because you know what karma always does? 
it always kills. Let me help you to understand that a little bit. Raise your hand if you're married, if you've ever been in a fight with your spouse. Yep. Raise your hand if you're engaged. Have you ever had a fight with your fiance? <laughs> if you're dating somebody, have you ever had a fight with them? You know what was always there at some level? Whether you know it, realize it or not, karma, right? I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you would do that. And what's our temptation? Maybe to give him the cold shoulder. Not talk, or, or maybe somehow, some way, kind of make them pay because they got to understand how they hurt me. Or think of with your siblings. Maybe you have siblings. Maybe you think of your own kids and how they're interacting, right? Why did you hit them? Why did you say those things? Why did you do that? Well, because he did this first. She was mean to me first. So it's only fair just getting them back. Right? Karma. <laughs> Maybe it's the boss at work. They let him go. I didn't like him anyway. He was a jerk. He deserved it. Maybe it's your neighbor. <laughs> You're having a, a, a beef with that neighbor across the way or behind the fence. Maybe it's someone here at church. We've all bought into this deadly thinking of karma. And here's the deal. Again, whether you know it or not, like it or not, realize it or not, at some point, in some way, you are going to come face to face with this theology, this way of thinking. In your marriages, with your kids and how you parent, with your own parents, even if you're, you're grown and have your own kids, with people at work, with people at school. Because if you live in a sinful, broken world, which all of us do, at some point, someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to do you wrong, and, and you're going to do the same to them, and, and you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to snuggle up with this idea of karma, and you're going to make that person pay for what they did? Or are you going to turn to the better way found in Jesus? So why are we talking about karma this morning? We're, we're talking about it this morning because in this story we see Jesus' disciples who absolutely believe that somehow, some way, the world operates this way. Like you get what you deserve and if you do good, you're going to get good. And, and if you get bad and you struggle in life, well, it's obviously you did some bad things. And we see that in the opening verses of our lesson this morning from John. John tells us that as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? You see how confident the disciples are? They're not even second-guessing this. They're so certain. Jesus, who done it? He was born blind. He's, he's now begging for his daily bread because he can't work. There's no social net back then. So what did he do to deserve this life? And if it wasn't him, Jesus, then maybe it was parents. But either way, who did it? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever been tempted to look at other people in your life or, or maybe beyond your sphere and, and think, well, they did that, they deserve that? 
Have you ever thought maybe as you looked at somebody's life, you're like, what did they do? They're struggling so bad, they must have done something. Or maybe it's not other people. You sit at night thinking about your own life. Maybe it's finances that you're struggling with and you wonder, is God maybe punishing you? Because you haven't always been faithful with the blessings he's given you. So maybe he's trying to teach you a lesson, a painful one. Maybe it's those times when, when you get up and the, the bones creak and ache and, and your health wasn't what it used to be. And, and maybe you're tempted to think, if only I would have taken care of my body a little bit better, God wouldn't be getting me now because I abused that body he gave me. Maybe it's in a relationship. As you think about some of the relationships that you're in and, and maybe they're struggling and you think, well, maybe this is payback for the time that I was a jerk. The time that I didn't do what was right. The time that I was less than a friend or a husband or a wife or a parent or a child or a grandparent or whatever relationship it is. Those times then maybe you think, well, I'm struggling with this depression or this anxiety because I didn't trust Jesus enough. And so he's getting me for it. Have you ever thought like that? Do you wonder maybe if you're guilty of thinking like that? Now, here's the deal. It can be on the negative side or, hey, look at all that I got. Look at all that I accomplished. I deserve this. And we maybe get puffed up with some pride. If you want to know if you struggle with this at all, I think there's a couple of ways. One, if every time something maybe goes wrong in your life, you get angry. Maybe angry at that person or angry at God. Why would he let you go through this? Perhaps maybe you're struggling with this theology called karma. Or maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's sadness, hopelessness, it's despair, right? I'm getting exactly what I deserve. I'm a sinner. I'm horrible. God's zapping me for this. Or maybe it's pride. Look at my house and my career and my well-adjusted kids and everything that I have worked so hard for and accomplished. I know it's from you, God, but I mean, I get some credit too, don't I? <laughs> you know who's okay with either one of those types of thinking? Satan. Whether you're puffed up with pride like the Pharisees were oftentimes, right? Those were the, the guys who said, well, I go to church, and I give my offerings, and I do all these other things. I follow all of God's laws and all the ones that I made up too, and so God is going to reward me for this. Or maybe you're on the other side where you're despairing over sin. Satan's okay with either side of the coin because the focus is on you and not Jesus. I think about that. If you're pride and full of arrogance like those Pharisees, and we all are at times, you're thinking about yourself, what I did to deserve this. Or if you're despairing, you're still looking at yourself. I'm worthless. God's getting me, and I deserve every ounce of it. Either one, Satan's like, that's cool. I can live with either because you're not looking at him. Because here's the reality. 
we all have that sinful, weak nature in us that blinds us to what God is up to. We all have a sinful, weak nature that, that blinds us, and we don't always see the wise. We don't always know what he's up to. Sometimes we don't even know what we're up to. And so Jesus wants us to stop looking at self and start looking and trusting in him. Don't we see that in the way Jesus actually performs the miracle? Right? Jesus, he hocks a loogie, he takes the saliva in, in the mud, mixes it up, and what's he do? He, he takes spit and smears it on a guy's face. Imagine if someone tried to do that with you. Right? He spits, puts a little mud with it, smears it on the guy's face. He's probably thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? And then he says, go wash yourself. And when he does, guess what? He can see. Now, Jesus could have performed this miracle any way he wanted to. He could have done it like, like he's done so many others. He could have said to him, hey, you're healed. See, there it was. Could have been like some of the crippled people. He said, pick up your mat and walk. Simple as that. And they were walking. He could have done that, but he doesn't. Why? I think when you think about the question the disciples were asking, right, who sinned, and then think about this blind man and then our own lives, I think... It becomes obvious, I hope. Jesus wanted the blind man. He wanted those disciples, and he wants us to know my way is the best way, so trust in that. Not yours, not what you think, not in some philosophy that you think the world operates on, but in the one that I says it does. Trust me. but this isn't quite the end of the story, is it? Because Jesus not only wanted to heal this man's sight, he wanted to give him physical healing, physical sight, but before, or uh, spiritual sight. But before that happens, whew, this man runs into the Pharisees. And, and they want to talk to him, and they want to know what's happening, how did you get healed, and he told them straight up, well, Jesus. Well, what do you think about this guy, Jesus? I think he's a prophet. Oh, shut up. How dare you? You were steeped in sin, right? That's why you were born blind. You were steeped in sin. How dare you lecture us? We know scripture. Get out of here. Kick him out of the church. And they do. Imagine the blind guy who now can see should have been the greatest day of his life. For the first time, he can see that the sky's actually blue and knows what the color blue is. For the first time, he can see a sunset over the Sea of Galilee. Oh, it's beautiful, right? The first time in his entire life, he can see the faces of the people he knows and loves, his family, his friends, whoever, and he can not just hear them now, he can see them. Should have been the greatest day of his life. But on that day, he gets kicked out of his own church. But this, this is where the greater miracle of God was going to take place. Right? Because Jesus finds them, and listen to their dialogue. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Right? In other words, do you believe in the promised Savior from the Old Testament who's going to come and rescue you and people from sin and death? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. 
Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus performed a pretty awesome miracle. A guy who was born blind is now seen. Nobody can do that but God. But here Jesus performed an even greater miracle. He opened the eyes, the spiritual eyes of this man, so he could now see Jesus and believe in Jesus for who he is, his Savior. Jesus has done the same for you. We weren't born blind. We were born with eyes that worked, unlike this guy in our story today, but we were all born spiritually blind. We were all born with those spiritual blinders, and we could not see Jesus. We, we weren't even looking for him. We didn't even want to find him. But Jesus sought us out. Jesus came and found us, and he opened our eyes so that we might see him for who he is. He came to us through his word. He came to us through baptism, and he shows us who he is, that he is our Savior who loves us, who forgives us. The God who will work out all things for our good, even the bad, even when we don't understand, because his purpose is ultimately to get us to heaven with him. The God who comes to us every time his word is preached, like right now, through a sermon. Or when you open up your Bible, whether you're reading Mark with us or you're doing your own study, he's there, opening your eyes to know, see, and believe in him. When you get together in those life groups, almost 50 of you, whew, that makes a pastor happy. Almost 50 of you got together and opened up God's word this last week to hear that he loves you and that he saved you, to take the spiritual blinders off, to hear him say, I got this. Or maybe it's over a cup of coffee, five in the morning, where before everything else starts humming around in your house or the calls or the texts, that you just spend some time in God's word and he says, I love you. I've forgiven you. I saved you. I know that that philosophy of karma is such a strong one. It's everywhere in our world. I just saw it again this morning, scrolling through my social media. <laughs> Lots of comments on some of the, the new stuff. Well, you know what? What goes around comes around. Our karma's uh, expletive in there. Because that's how our world operates. That's what the world says. That's what they think. But today, Jesus takes karma and he flips it upside down. Because you know what? Jesus doesn't believe in karma. Do you know that? Jesus thinks karma is baloney. He does not believe it, and you want the proof? The cross. Because on the cross, Jesus got what he didn't deserve. He was beaten, he was arrested, he was put on trial, and he was executed for crimes that he did not commit. So something bad happened to not just a good person, but a holy and perfect God. On the cross, Jesus got what he didn't deserve so that you would get what you don't deserve. So that you would get the Father's love, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's compassion, the Father's mercy, 
all of it because Jesus endured the penalty for you. And so, we may not always see or understand what's happening in this world. Many times we don't always see or totally understand what's happening in our own lives. But God, through his word, helps us to see one thing clearly. Jesus. The one who loves you. The one who saved you. The one who gave you spiritual sight so that you would know and believe in him. And so today, if you leave with forgetting everything I said, leave with this one last truth. As I've heard people often say, grace is karma's worst nightmare. Because the world says, you're going to get exactly what you deserve. And, he, and there, over there stands Jesus who says no. In fact, Jesus in his word says, he got what we deserved to bring us to the Father now and forever. And that's the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen.